0: You know the way. One, oh, it's a Welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby, and I am in the new For Fox 8 HQ, away from the county. And Rob Hayes, you are in For Fox 8 HQ 2, away from the county. We have both deserted Leicestershire in, well, I'll say the hour of need because we've just won two games on the bounce. But do you know what? It, it is strange, actually. I th- is this the first time we've done a pod where we're both, or, or at least one of us, hasn't been inside the county? when we've been apart, not at the same place.
1: It's very probable that, yeah, I would say so, because we've usually done it um, where at least one of us, like you say, is in Leicester or Leicestershire, and now virtually every For Fox's Sake podcast episode going forward is going to be recorded in two different counties that aren't Leicestershire. And then... uh, and then, and then cobbled together and, and put into your, your ears wherever you listen as well. I suppose we've got a lot of listeners that don't listen from Leicestershire, so what does it matter where we're from? We all support the same club and we're all here to talk about the same thing.
0: That's true, although it's good to know where you are, because on a few addresses I've put down as um, as Milton Keynes being in Bedfordshire, that was just a guess. Turns out it's in Buckinghamshire, but there we go. <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> you've figured out where <laughs> you actually live now.
1: Glad we've cleared that, that one up
0: trying to remember the new postcode and all sorts oh my word but uh, and also it's quite a long winded address rather than, than the, the straightforward Shepshed um, when it comes to year anyway that's all by and by because we've only gone and done a couple of wins in fact you can actually say three wins on the bounce if you count the away win at Randers so this time last time on the pod we were we were actually very confident weren't we about the two wins or at least confident about the performances against Burnley and Leeds. At least I was, especially against Burnley. I think we both thought, you know, with the Leeds game at home, depending on what happens at Burnley, could be um, not relatively straightforward, but a game that Leicester could exploit with Leeds' problems. That was before Bielsa, I believe, was sacked. So it all changes just show what shows what happens in football. It changes so quickly for for not only Leicester but elsewhere. But we were right. I, I will pat myself on the back just slightly here because I got it right against Burnley uh, with the clean sheets, and it was just it was the relief. Not only was it first of all a really good goal from Madison, and then the Vardy show. You know, not only with the setup for Madison, but also then getting on the score sheet after coming on the bench off the bench. So like. It, not only was the, the the highlight being Vardy and his return, and obviously that was the headlines, but away from that, with Leicester fans, that was certainly one thing, but the highlight was obviously the three points, really, and the clean sheet. That mattered probably more to Leicester fans, really, than the Vardy goal and then you fast forward to the Leeds game and you're starting right Vardy's going to start and Leeds are a mess they've had to change their manager and then you get the three points in a different way but it's still three points and it's a clean sheet and then there's further news and it's, it's everything's starting to look slightly more rosier it's almost like the spring has sprung not only in the world but also here at the football
1: club isn't it nice to be able to sit here and say we've won three games in a row, back-to-back Premier League clean sheets, and whether or not you think the, the performance from an attacking point of view has um, got more to come, and I think most people would agree that there is a lot more to come from Leicester uh, in possession, I think the pleasing thing has been out of possession. the The fact that keeping a clean sheet against Burnley who have got the world's biggest football team. Now they've got a six-foot-six striker. That's not an official stat. That's just what I see when I look at them on a football pitch. Um, to keep a clean sheet against against them in, in such a fashion where Soyuncu and Amati just... You, you could see from the way that they defended, they were absolutely desperate to keep a clean sheet. They were doing absolutely everything that they could to keep a clean sheet. And and largely we saw the same against Leeds as well. And And... We've said all season long that you can have individual players in certain positions playing well um, and you can score as many goals as you like. But ultimately, if you're not playing with a solid foundation, if you have not got the the structure in place to limit the number of goals you're conceding, then obviously it's going to be difficult to win football matches. But also then it becomes more and more difficult because the players in front of you just haven't got the confidence in the players behind them, whereas keeping two clean sheets in a row in in a in a period of the of the season where we were we were discussing in the previous couple of episodes where is the season going? What what's the point of the last third of the season really? Apart from try our best to win the Europa Conference League so that we can get into Europe again next season, we, it, it had the potential to be running away as a sort of non-entity, but. These two wins actually, I think, will inspire some confidence in, in the team. They will, it will inspire some confidence in the defence, both within themselves and, and throughout the team. And I've just looked at the table and, and I know it's an if and we, 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 we can't really deal with ifs and buts that much. But if we had lost these two games against Leeds and Burnley, which in isolation any other time of the season, you wouldn't really have bet against Leicester losing either one or two of them we could have been in a in a fair amount of trouble. No matter, not, not sort of talking about not having anything to play for The in the last third of the season. The gap between us and the relegation zone, let's say Burnley pick up three points against us and Leeds beat us. With the victories that the teams around us have had, we could have been perilously close to to being sucked in like in a similar style to Everton. So it's almost given us a bit of breathing room it means that we've progressed in the Europa Conference League, which was expected. And back-to-back clean sheets. I'm, I'm really hoping, as 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 you've just so eloquently put it there, that this is spring. This is a new beginning. This is new life coming back into the team, ready for us to, let's carry on with the analogy, ready for us to grow and blossom in the final stages of the season. Oh,
0: lovely. <laughs> yes, it's... It's there for them, it's there for them to take. You've got the Europa Conference League, you've got the confidence of a couple of wins, but you're absolutely right, exactly what we said previously, if they lost the two games, I'm quite sure the manager would have gone, I'm still sure now, because we would have been banging in trouble. Now, if we go and lose every single game from now till the end of the season, he'll be gone and we could be still be in trouble. So it's not game over when it comes to getting relegated or being sucked into any bother, but it really has given Leicester the cushion. You can then go to Arsenal in the Premier League, which is obviously going to be difficult, but then you play Brentford, you've got Manchester United, eminently winnable at Old Trafford, Palace, Newcastle, Villa. So there's games there against sides that you'd expect Leicester to pick up still points from, and then wherever they finish, whether it's going to be 9th, 10th, all the way down to, say, even 14th, say, it's whichever place I know money is a factor. But overall, it doesn't really matter from a kind of a supporter's point of view. Obviously, the, the chairman, etc., they would want the extra millions for, for finishing higher. And it's always good to finish as high as possible. But it's when people turn around and say, hey, you finished 14th, yet you're a point off 8th or something silly. But it's the obviously the Europa Conference League is the main target. Now we've hopefully put to bed, at the moment, any kind of risk of, of going down or, or being sucked into any bother like Everton are even though Everton probably more than likely will still escape because they've got plenty of games in hand. But the, the the two wins are very different. They they rode the storm against Burnley, fortunate in a way with the offside goal, but there you go, we've had plenty for ourselves. I think in these two games, you can look at these two games kind of as one, not really with the displays, but when you're talking about players. First up, you've got Albrighton in starting in both. Now his impact, more than, I would say probably... Not minimal in the term of he, he didn't do anything, but actual play, it was more more because of his presence there, his work rate. Yes, he was uh strong in the tackle, he was up and down the wing, he was um he was everything that I think Brendan Rogers wanted from a player in that position against these sides. Not saying someone like Lookman wouldn't have given that, but he wanted that personality on the field. Look at the glowing praise he's given and Jusby Hall after the Leeds game. He's coming out saying he's going to be a future Leicester City captain. He's a throwback player. It's that kind of player that I think Brendan Rodgers wants. And also I think it's players who aren't like that who I think Brendan Rodgers wants to leave or wants to get rid of from the football club. And so no surprise he's playing. Also no surprise that they brought in say Chowdhury at fullback. Again, a player of a similar... Ilk, again, in the way that he plays. But the problem with Chowdhury is just his overall talent, I would say. And we've said many a time that. Um, I, I agree with you about the center half. They had two very good games. Very good games. It doesn't uh, carry on with the springs and summer. You know, well, it doesn't make a summer and all that sort of thing. But these two clean sheets will not cover any cracks that have appeared with those two at centre-half. But at least they've got these two clean sheets. I think Schmeichel has played very well in these two games, especially in the game against Leeds making some very important saves. Good performance from the goalkeeper. Real shame about Ricardo picking up an injury again. Hopefully it's just a, a few weeks out for him. Uh, I don't think actually there's been any news given on him, but but that that defense and those, and those players in particular really have stepped up. We'll come on to um say Vardy etc. Um but, the, the, there's, but there's one player, really, instead of trying to name every single player on the team and then saying, what do you reckon, Rob? But the one player I will highlight, though, um, is Harvey Barnes. He, I know he scored the goal, but an amazing display by Pope against Burnley. They are some proper saves. And when you look at a chance like what Harvey Barnes had, first up, the majority of them were created by himself, and second of which, the choice of, of shots, the power, the execution, uh, the connection on the ball, it, it was all fine. He hit it true. He hit it powerfully. He hit it in probably the right place. But it was just fantastic saves by the keeper. No idea how he's not scored. Absolutely no idea. But to get in those positions, he looked devastating. Genuinely, I, I, I was massively impressed. And then you play Leeds. It was a different kind of game. But still, he... At times, absolutely, generally, ripped to them on that side. Again, left the fullback for dead on occasion. Lovely one-two, great finish, scored the goal. And then you look back over Harvey Barnes in previous weeks, and very easy to highlight just one, but but the West Ham game in the second half. Arguably unplayable, a word which you don't use often, but in that second half, they had to make a substitution because the full-back didn't... Was it call, um call foul? We had to go off? It just didn't know what to do. Harvey Barnes is hitting some proper form and I'll be, I'd will be, i be surprised if he's not very close to an England call-up, which ultimately, I suppose, it doesn't really matter whether it is or not, especially from a Leicester point of view, but I suppose Raleigh is probably saying no. But he's hitting some really good form at a time when... And if you listen to the previous podcast, we were banging the drum for two up front. That argument has not gone away, even with Vardy's return. But the problem we've got is that one of our best players at the moment, because Maddison's on the touchline, is our winger, which is the problem if you're going to play two up front. So rather than go into that kind of argument again,
1: Barnes is, that's some serious, serious for me showing. It is, isn't. I think those wide forward positions. If if you like to look at it as a sort of four three three that Brendan Rodgers prefers, those wide forward positions are so so important. Uh, and I think that is largely the reason why Mark O'Brighton has been selected there in the past couple of weeks, because you know what you're going to get from him uh, from the first whistle, the up and down, the work rate, and I, and I don't think for a second that someone like Lukman is is lazy. I think he strikes me as having quite a good attitude, Luckman, to be perfectly honest with you. He's certainly got the physical ability to get up and down um, the right-hand side, but he has shown to be um, more positive and have more of an impact in in shorter bursts, smaller sections of a game. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having a player of Luckman's individual ability and talent to come off the bench... Let's say with with half an hour to go, to 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 cause their defence a different kind of problem because they are very different kind of players. Lookman and, and all Brighton, but then you look to the left hand side and and Harvey Barnes, and as soon as he cuts in from that from that left hand side on his on his right foot, as soon as he's got the opportunity to do that, he is now showing the effectiveness that I think has been not necessarily missing all season but he's not been able to consistently put a run of even four or five performances together where you think he looks frightening today and you know it's been a little bit of a stop start season for the whole for the whole squad in terms of continuity in terms of little niggly injuries for most players but Barnes has had a bit of a run in this in the starting lineup because he did have a, a period where he was sort of in and out of the first team and He's just come back to basics, really, in terms of get the ball and get at your fullback, and he did it so effectively in all of the games that you've just mentioned. There, I was um, in the in the corner of the of the King Power Stadium at the, for the West Ham game, watching him pull Sofal's pants down. Every single time he got the ball, and it's and it's good old fashioned wing play, if you like, because yes, he is a right footer playing on the left hand side, but most of the time he was because so far was desperate to try and show him down the line, so he didn't beat him on the inside. Barnes just said, "All right, then, little step over, little drop of the shoulder, burst of pace, and get to the byline." And every time he got the ball, and why West Ham didn't pull their right winger back at ten yards to try and double up, I don't know. But every time he got the ball. You could sense the excitement around you, and I'm sure that that was exactly the same in the Burnley and the Leeds games that I wasn't at physically, but I was watching. And, you know, you just kind of half get out of your seat thinking, what's he going to do this time? And more often than not, it's creating dangerous situations for other people. Uh, How he didn't score against Burnley, I'll never know. Well, I do know because Big Nick Pope had an absolute stormer of a game, And then it's making that difference against Leeds in a game where, yeah, Leicester didn't create an awful lot. But all you need to do is convert one chance and you need that clinical edge. And Barnes is beginning to show that he has that again, whereas I don't think we've seen the best of him like we haven't seen the best of a lot of Leicester players this season. So him hitting an upturn in form or Brighton starting not out of necessity, but out of choice for Brendan Rodgers. I think it's a big statement and it's a big positive because it, it it highlights his um his impact on the team and and I really agree with the fact that you've got Thomas, Leicester lad, local lad, hometown club, Barnes, great attitude, always wants to do his best in a Leicester shirt, Jewsbury Hall, who is who is continuing to 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 sort of tread new ground all the time in terms of the how much his development has come on this season. I, I, I didn't expect even a third of what he's been able to produce on and off the pitch, really. Um, yeah, I like what you said about Chowdhury at, at right-back, another homegrown talent. Just players who want to perform in the shirt. And and Brighton, you always know what you're going to get with him. Vardy comes back in up front. Schmeichel is, is buoyed by his own performances And all of a sudden, you look in there, eight, nine of the 11 players on the pitch are desperate to be there and are desperate to win the game. And I'm not saying for a second that there were players um, in the sticky patches we've had this season that didn't want to be there or didn't want to win. But they didn't have that extra couple of percent, that extra bit of desire that largely the players on the field of play in the last couple of games have had. And I think that is spearheaded by Vardy. Um, So having him back really does lift everybody. But he's also spearheaded by a confident Barnes, by a more secure back back line and defensive unit. And that, um, amongst many things, is, is the reason why I think we've got real cause for optimism in the final stages of the season. You sprinkle that side with the players
0: who have, not have the talent, but... You you sprinkle a little bit of magic alongside the industry of Vardy, Dewsbury Hall. I'll also put Wilford and Didi there, and then you probably will say the goalkeeper. That's how you have a decent side. You need to have the effort. If you're five or ten percent off, you're going to get beaten. Doesn't matter how good a side you are, you're going to get turned over. And also, it's going to be very easy to see. Example number one, Forest away. Example number two, say Man United. What happened at Manchester City in the last, say, half an hour or so? It's um, it, it's really easy to see, and I I agree with you. I don't think anyone at Leicester is really kind of down towards. I know the Forest game was was really a, a point of the season where it was kind of like right enough is enough, but it just shows you, especially with again the players who started or Brighton, but also the players who have come on as well. I know they've come on for various reasons. Because of the game situation, whether chasing, holding, or moving players around, or maybe substitutions that were planned beforehand, which, say, Vardy's obviously was. But it's the players who are coming on, and more than likely that actually the players who who aren't coming on. Now, alongside those, there's there's still been issues. Again, Chowdhury playing at right back. Uh, he he was he did his he did his role, but they he was pinpointed by Leeds, of course, and he was you know, out of position on a number of occasions, and we got by. I think a lot of people were lauding the defence against Leeds. I kind of would, I'd say they they were okay, but I would lord the goalkeeper. I think Schmeichel really kept us in that game. The defence at times made decent blocks, etc., but I think Leicester were... I think Leicester always would be against Leeds even if we had our first team playing Leeds are such a side where they are going to do that but at the other end of the pitch after say 20 25 minutes there were people saying I was um I was at work and people were saying you know, you're getting... Leeds are on top here and I've turned around and gone it seems that way but the ball has not just fell for Leicester inside the last not even third but penalty area it could have been 2-0 to Leicester and it wouldn't have been any surprise really because even though they had Half chances and the keepers made a a, a decent save, but at the other end it was really kind of hair and stuff in and around the Leeds penalty area. And I'm like, look, like, we've got the quality here to go and to go and actually take these chances. And uh, and and ultimately it was a lovely goal, lovely one-two with Clety and Nacho who it's a, a remarkable season for Iheanacho. How I, I don't know where we stand. When we come to the end of season, or or whether we do it before this season, where we'll go through every single player and say, stay, keep, sell, whatever, and then go through what they've done this season. I don't know what you would say about Kletcher Oh Ultimately, an amazingly disappointing season after the well, genuine heroics, I would say, probably of last year. Whether that's down to him or not, I'd probably say it isn't, to be honest. But a lovely wall pass with um, with Barnes and, and, and a great finish, a, a fantastic goal to win a game. But uh, you mentioned Dewsbury Hall just ran himself silly, really, didn't he, against Leeds and obviously against Burnley as well. But he, he's just that player in that middle three who is, I wouldn't say the first person on the team sheet, but he would be very close to being at the moment. He He just cannot not play. Uh, at his age, you'd imagine he'll be absolutely fine. I think they don't need to overly do it. And if he's got a slight knock, then I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't say risk him. He's not He's not maybe that kind of crucial to the side. You don't want to risk it being um, a more long-term injury, say. But he is a complete throwback. He's an all-round midfielder. And we've, we've spoken before about how how he's infectious with the crowd and with the the other Leicester players. And the work rate he gets through is fantastic. The latter part of his game, so towards the, the penalty area, that will obviously come on. But at the moment, he's adding so much deeper. And because of that, it allows Leicester to play that three in midfield. So they can play the 4-3-3. Now, overall, what happens then when Madison comes back is a different argument. Can you play a Dewsbury Hall and then Madison, but maybe not a Yuri Tillemans? Or do you, for example, put Yuri Tillemans further back and then play those two, and obviously Keelan and Jusby Hall, and then a James Madison? That could well be the case. It's a, it's a very interesting proposition for for Rogers to try and deal with. But at the moment, you'd have to play Jusby Hall because he was... For many people's idea, the man of the match really against Leeds because it was it was him who just kept on going, winning those tackles, winning those free kicks. And also, once he gets the ball, yes, one or two loose passes, but if you've ran yourself stupid,
1: sometimes you're going to misplace a pass. I do wonder, in pre-season, uh, or even during his loan spell at Luton last season, whether whether Brendan Rodgers and, and the coaching staff at Leicester, whether they would have expected this much from him this season. Because, you know, we talked about him quite a lot in the pre-season podcasts. He had quite... We we believed that he had a few more outings in pre-season than maybe he was going to get otherwise because there were a lot of players away on international duty and carrying injuries and whatever. He was sat down doing quite a lot of the pre-season preview interviews. You know, he was always right at the front of the camera lens when they were filming him doing the bleep test and all that kind of thing. And we said, look... He looks sharp. He looks very strong, very fit. And for a lad that really, you've got to say, a lot of Leicester fans didn't know an awful lot about until he started producing that form for Luton last season in the Championship. He sat down in front of the cameras and he spoke like he was in his late 20s, early 30s, and he'd been at the club playing week in, week out in the first team for 10 seasons. He spoke with a maturity. He spoke clearly, but, but without getting carried away. But you could really sense the the joy that he had playing for Leicester City and the passion that he had for the club. I, I've got to say, we we said it's going to be a tough season for him to break into that midfield because of the fact that you have um, what many people would put close to a world class midfielder in Yuri Tielemans. Exactly the same category for Wilfred and Didi. You know, I think. Um, I don't necessarily think you can put those in that world-class category until they play for the elite clubs and, can, and are regularly competing on the elite stage, like Champions League, that kind of that kind of thing. But they're certainly some of the best, well, arguably the best midfielders that we've ever had at the club. So you expected Dewsbury Hall to fill in where they got injured, maybe, turn out in a couple of cup games. And I think at this stage of the season, what I would have expected if I was predicting... Uh, his kind of progression, I, I'd have predicted that he'd have put in a couple of decent performances. Uh, the fans would have said, oh, not it great to have a homegrown player in the match day squad? Um, and you would have thought, okay, 70 minutes into a game where you want a bit more drive in midfield, put him in, see how he does. I did not expect us to be sat here saying that for the for the large majority of the season, I would rather have had Dewsbury Hall in our midfield than and Didi or or Yuri Telemans, I I think I feel that strongly about it. Obviously, they have their strengths that Dewsbury Hall doesn't yet have. Whether he'll reach those sort of technical standards of Yuri Telemans or the kind of um, positional standards of of Wilfred and Didi, only time will tell. But in terms of the impact that he has on the whole team, the, the kind of galvanising drive that he has. To take everybody further up the pitch, including the ball with him, then he is in that in those senses first name on the team sheet for for the midfield positions. And I completely agree with you. He gives us a lot more flexibility in those midfield areas because, really, Yuri um is. I heard one of the commentators. I think it was. Um, on the radio, when I was listening to part of the uh, Leeds game Saturday lunchtime, I was on my way back from from playing football myself, so I was listening to the first part of the game in the car. And they said it looked like Yuri Tielemans is running through. I think he said fudge. I think he meant through a treacle, but you know, I, I, I get the gist because he looks very leggy at times, Tielemans, So it, you'd struggle to see him playing on the right hand side of a midfield three, say. Yet Jewsbury Hall brings energy and balance to play in on the left-hand side of a midfield three. And, you know, we've just got so many more options because he is now a first-team player. And I am very, very pleasantly surprised about that. And long may it continue because he's exactly, exactly the kind of player I think Brendan Rodgers is looking for to take Leicester City forward next season. And, and that, not, that, that you can't pay him a higher praise than by saying he's a future captain.
0: Not at all. And I, and I agree with you about what Rodgers is kind of looking for as we as we do that at this point. I know we've got lots to play for, but with the news of, of new contracts, etc., you, you are looking for next season. And it's no surprise that the likes of Albrighton are going to be there. It's no surprise that he's playing. It's these kind of people. And also... After the time that Rogers has been here, was it three years, say, that he's been at the football club? Um, a highly successful three years. And yet, during what will be, you'd probably say, the well, it is, the first, I know we've signed players and players have left, but this seems like it's going to be a real transformational summer of the squad. He arrived at the football club with a decent squad that was seriously underperforming. He had a diamond on loan, which was turned into a... Um, a permanent signing with Yuri with Tielemans. But he's then carried that squad forward to be very successful. This now is the first time I believe there's going to be a real overhaul. And for him, you'd imagine, obviously, you want superb players, technical ability, players who, I, I, again, I think there'll be players signed who you maybe would have thought maybe wouldn't be kind of previous signings Leicester would have made in the last three or four years. But for now, he's talking about the, the industrial players, the players who you might have actually thought are gonna be let go. You know, your Chowderies, your All Brightons and then he's been singing the praises of a of a Dewsbury Hall. I know it wouldn't have been let go, but do you know what I mean? It's um it, it just shows you what I think has been an issue at the football club. Um and as we do look forward to next season, the <laughs> You look at, say, Yuri Tillemans, you know he's going to be going. He's going to be going. And I really hope he he finds his form. I've not got a problem. You know, he he has um, one or two iffy games here and there. And he gets substituted. I'd still play him. I've got no problem with that on his day. He's fantastic. And even when he's been playing poorly, sometimes still that one-pass bang goal, especially with Vardy on the pitch. Um, But he's obviously, at the moment, not playing too well. Is he gone? Yes, surely surely he's going to be off in the summer. You then look at that midfield, and we'll just carry on with Juice Behall for the sec. Because could then James Madison turn into that player who would be dropping further back into, say, a number eight position, Yuri Tillemans' position? So you do have your Ndidi, or a defensive midfielder. You then have your Yuri Tillemans, who is. James Madison, and then you also have Jujbe Hall. Could that be the midfield? That means that Madison would have to be, obviously, a bit more industrious, but he's shown that this season. I believe that could be the case. That midfield could be the midfield three for Leicester if they're going to play in that formation and in the same way. I also think that you can't really even know throughout Rodgers' time here. I know he's dallied with three at the back on occasion, but we know that he's formation that he likes to play is the 4-3-3 is that going to be the case next season who knows I think that really has to be up in the air as well is he going to play a completely not completely random different formation that no one's ever seen before but is it going to be a, a change around because of the personnel coming in or generally because of what he's seen so far and it feels like he can't make that change at the moment because we don't have those players but it's in the plans it's all very exciting we'll, we'll wait and see um the news today wesley for signing a new contract until 2027 first up fantastic because that means that hopefully that the injury problems are put to one side a terrible injury and there's rumors and in the piece that John Percy wrote, which I read just before we started this, that um, he's pretty much available for selection against Randers on Thursday, against Randers, against Wren on Thursday, um, probably off the bench, obviously. So that's brilliant news. So that's now Justin, Ricardo, and Fafana signing new contracts. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Fully enough, three defenders and the and the defence <laughs> problem- that
1: we haven't had all season
0: it's amazing isn't it the, the the problem position and yet we've given new contracts to the players who have been injured and who are now coming back it just shows you what a what a mess that defense has been all, all season so so that is tremendous news and then you you go from there with the players who we've mentioned who have been really performing who are going to be the cornerstones of the side and you can start to see what squad we're going to be going into the summer with and then also the squad or the sections of the squad who are going to be told to move on or at least trying to be move on because you don't know no, it might be slightly more difficult than than people think just to release a player even with, say, a year left on their contract to try and get someone to sign them. So, fantastic news. The Fafana news was rumoured the other day anyway. But for him to sign the new contract... There has to be an amazing release clause in there. I imagine it's going to be Champions League clubs, but it's got to be some big numbers. And also, first of all, the number as well, 2027, a long-term contract on more than likely improved wages. And again, look at that. These three players. Ricardo wasn't on mega money. Justin definitely wasn't on mega money. And Wesley Fafana wasn't on extortionate money. And yet these three contracts, we don't know the details of which, but I would imagine all three are now firmly towards the high end of the earner brigade at Leicester, which definitely means there's gonna be players let go because of the, the percentage of wages that's um from turnover that Leicester have, which is very quite quite high to be perfectly honest. So again, more than likely a lot of players leaving, but just great news for Fafana. great news that he spoke so eloquently about loving the city, loving the club, which I know can be very throwaway comments and we've seen that over years with every football club, but said the right things, signed the right contract, hopefully, he gets some minutes against Wren and uh, it's a victorious few minutes, however long he plays.
1: I think the words that he said, I think most Leicester fans will believe them and not and not think them as empty words because you can see the way that he interacts with his teammates, you know, in tunnel cam and and training footage, and and how he reacted on the pitch uh, for for various different victories, and you know all the you know high fiving and all that. He just looks like he enjoys his football, and he looks like he enjoys being part of the team, doesn't he? And 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 you know what? If he, I'm not saying Leicester took a chance on him by any stretch, but but we we did speak about it being one of the boldest transfers in 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 Leicester's history really in terms of the uh, amount of money that was put up front to to buy him in um such an unproven player with with such few games under his belt pro, um, professionally and 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 at a senior level and he still crazy if you think about it it, it is the signing yeah it was still crazy yeah but but it's been justified in the in sort of the first half of his Leicester career, if you like. And then obviously he's had the the, the ridiculous tackle in the, in the in pre-season that, that has ruined this season for him. And it is a real positive for him, I think, because he said, look, the club has supported me through my injury, as, as they're going to anyway. And, and that's you know the kind of thing that Justin said when he signed his new deal as well. Of course they are, because these are two young defenders who are... In, in many ways the, the future of the football club for the next few years um and and, and actually the, the present of the future uh, the present of the football club as well it's not like we're looking at blooding these players in in the next few years. they are basically certified starters when fit um the majority of the time. so it's 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 a positive for for, for it, it it puts him in a position where he can come back from injury, in a, a supportive environment, one where he already knows he's loved. And, and we know footballers, particularly those kind of wonder kid with the wonder kid labels, they, they like to have to, to feel wanted. They need to feel wanted. He is absolutely wanted and loved by the supporters. It strikes me as if as if he has some excellent relationships within the squad. You know, you only have to have to look at Hamza Chowdhury and him interacting on social media. Um, you can see that there's genuine friendship there and he enjoys being part of the squad. So it's the ideal place for him to first of all get back to fitness and then get back to his form. And you can see him looking at it probably as a, I can see myself at Leicester for the next I don't know, get a full season under my belt next season and probably one more, maybe two, depending on how how, uh, how his progression continues. And then he, I'm sure he's not daft and his agent. I'm sure they're not daft. They would have put in something in the contract, like you say, Pete, where if a bigger club than Leicester comes in, because unfortunately they do exist, then he's got the opportunity to speak to them. But at the same time, it's a positive move for the club because the length of the contract is... is it's quite rare, really. Five and a half year extension up to twenty twenty seven. It means that his value instantly increases because the longer your contract is, ultimately, the the more of a financial compensation you need from anybody that wants to come and buy him because he is your asset. He is tied down to the club now until twenty twenty seven, and they have to pay accordingly. It will also, you're absolutely right, have a a release clause in there that reflects Leicester City's valuation of the player. So it's it's win-win for everybody. And I, I, I've got no doubt, I think, that Fafana his career or the future of his career and the pinnacle of his, career, of his career lies away from Leicester City. But certainly for the short to mid-term, next two to possibly three years, to have him tied down on a deal that makes him happy on a deal that will eventually mean that Leicester are rightly recompensed for their investment and their bravery in the transfer market to bring him in in the first place. It's a hugely positive move. And really, we're talking about this summer shake-up, um, but we've listed, we must be in double figures of the players that we want to keep in terms of the homegrown players, the hard-working players, and those three that we've hardly seen all season that have just signed new contracts. So actually, yes, there will be players in and out, but there's going to be a really strong core group of players that, that remain part of the football club. So uh, I don't think it's quite as as drastic as it sounds because there are lots of positives within the squad and those three new contracts are certainly right up there.
0: It depends also, because it's the effect that they have on other players. We mentioned the the Madison and stewsby Hall kind of axis, but it's where, where then he fits into this defence and the effect that he'll have. I mean... I, I, I don't for one second think he's going to start, obviously, against Wren. But if he does come on, or if you were saying that he comes into a back four, where would you play him? You would play him in the centre, but who would you play him alongside? Would it be a, a Daniel Armati? Would it be Akagalas a Orenshu? I'm sure he must have played alongside at least once or twice. Who would he complement better? Well, I think... At, at, at the time, you'd obviously have your, your kind of old-fashioned Armati, uh, the the kind of the blocker, the, the, the Wes Morgany type player. Alongside him, I think he would be fine because he would be the guy who who wins the ball, brings the ball out, etc. And, and, and Armati can, can just kind of do his steady stuff. And if he gets caught out, he can run behind. Or you play him alongside Kags, more rash, but again, the guy who goes to win the ball and then he could maybe cover and you know it's it's a very strange, strange decision that's going to be made. You know, who would the steady influence, hopefully, of a of a young player come alongside two established international players who have played a lot more than than uh, than Wesley Fofana? Or does he fit into a back three? Would that be the best option for the rest of the team? going forward or would it just be the best for that defense do you think maybe having say a fafana maybe at the uh, on the right side of the defense would be would be the better option Kags then on the left and and then a marty in the middle it's, it's a very interesting proposition for what happens when he comes back because certainly there's been no indication that johnny evans is is anywhere near returning to first team football and as i i think i'll, I'll say again If you ask me right now, what are the chances of him ever playing again? They have to be very quite slim, I think. I I think Johnny Evans is bang in trouble. I've got no idea, but it's just a hunch that a guy who has not played virtually all season, who's got this issue, that looks like, and by all accounts, can be just the end. Um, And if it goes away, it goes away, and then he'll be fine. But if not, then that's it. Well... It's, it's really worrying and for a guy's age as well the, the one thing with it he can train he can keep himself fit so it's not like you have broke your leg for example and if you're that age then you know that might be the the time you call it but he'll obviously try and carry on but that looks a very difficult decision for for what Leicester to do going forward you know do you kind of hope that he comes back or do you prioritize that area as a place to rebuild I think the latter. I think you've got to completely rebuild that area of the side. Again, these three wins that we've had, two in the Premier League, one against Randers, it doesn't cover for what's happened this season. It's great and it's positive. And again, the players we've mentioned, their performances, Harvey Barnes, for example, what I said earlier, absolutely brilliant, fantastic. And also... Arguably, some of the best performances he's played for that—real like, no, top quality stuff. But he ultimately, this season before that, has been poor. Um, and again, other players who who have highlighted it, said Schmeichel, for example, um, you know, excellent, brilliant. The last couple of games, fantastic. The, the goal against West Ham, only a matter of weeks earlier, completely his fault for me. That second goal—it's—it's—and it, also, you know, overall this season, not has been the high quality that uh, that we've seen so far in his career really But so overall good but it's still you do have to go back only a few weeks to see those huge cracks and we've got a tough task against Wren on Thursday Rob, because these are some this is a proper side fourth place in the league and scoring plenty of goals and they give Spurs a bit of a run around as well didn't they?
1: Yeah, not quite the Mickey Mouse don't care European competition we thought it might be, is it? Considering Brendan Rodgers didn't even have a clue what it was and we were saying, well, I certainly said, I know you were slightly more positive about it, but I certainly said of all the scenarios in the in the Europa League when we got to the final group game, I said this would be the worst one to end up in the Europa Conference League. I might, I might be coming round to the idea. Uh, and I think what you get against a team like Rennes that you didn't get in the in the previous knockout round against Randers is a proper a proper European tie in there. But it's going to be a proper two-legged slog of a game against a team that are going well in their domestic league, which is a strong domestic league, because Randers weren't in good form in Denmark. They only qualified for, for it because they won the Danish Cup. Not a very good side at all. But I'll tell you what, our performance has got to... Increase significantly if we're going to have a chance of of getting through against Wren because we huffed and puffed against Randers and, and gave them far too many opportunities and, and we're really in many ways quite fortunate to to win the second leg you know outright as well. So Wren are a different proposition, but I think you know you've got the the danger really against a team like Randers where you don't necessarily get yourself as up for it as you perhaps should have done. But I think going into this game on Thursday night, home leg first, back-to-back wins in the Premier League, clean sheets, there's a lot more positivity. There's a lot more cause for the Leicester players to believe in themselves a little bit more. I think that spreads very quickly to the supporters. Uh, I think you'll sell uh, plenty more tickets for the for the Rend game than you probably would a couple of weeks ago. You know, those people that are thinking, hmm, can I afford to to spend uh, the money? Can I be bothered to go out in the cold on a Thursday night if it's going to be anything like the kind of up and down performances that we've seen recently? A lot of people, if they were on the fence, probably would have said no a few weeks ago. Now most of them are saying yes. Uh, so it's, uh, it's going to be a much more atmospheric game, I'd say. It's going to be toe-to-toe, and I think Leicester are in a better position now to go toe-to-toe with a team like Wren than than they have been in previous parts of the season. Uh, I would largely keep the team the same. I think consistency and momentum are, are key at this stage of the season. To, to enable Leicester to try and string together a run of successive victories, a run of positive performances and results, I think you're going to need to keep most of the players the same um, obviously, you've got to take into consideration the fact that Vardy's not back up to 90 minutes yet. You might want to see if there's a way you can factor for Fana in. An ideal situation for me, Pete, would be for Leicester to be, I don't know, winning 2-0 against Wren, something like that, um, 75-ish minutes on the clock, anticipating that, that Wren are going to try and, and and get something back before the end of the first leg and, and maybe slot into a 5 where Fafana comes as part of the back three. And you might even choose to play him as the centre of the three because um, Amati can play it right back as well. So play him on the right side of a three, not not a problem. Suyuncu usually plays left centre anyway, so left-hand side of a three, not a problem. Uh, you know, just to take the, not the pressure off, but, you know, you've got three centre-backs there instead of two. So it's kind of a way for you to come in. Uh, I won't say ease himself back into to football uh, or competitive football because it certainly won't be easy I don't think on Thursday night but uh, you know apart from managing him and Vardy you've really got to look at the rest of it and say the team more or less picks itself and it should well do because of the previous couple of results uh, and I think if we if we take the 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 starting lineup or largely the same starting lineup that that has got us the, the positive results in the Premier League in the last couple of games I think we can get a home win for the first leg. Uh, I think Wren probably got enough firepower to get a goal. So I'm going to say 2-1 is where I'm going.
0: Looking down their scores, they're, they're in good form. They've won three on the bounce in the league, scoring uh, 10 goals. Four in a couple of games, Montpellier uh a couple of games ago scored a couple against angers last uh last time out the one defeats in the last what four was against psg only one nil so these are a good side um apparently there's plenty of tickets still available for thursday so if you listen to this thinking oh, i've not been down the kp for a long time then then go get a ticket you can get a ticket pretty much anywhere so uh and i imagine they'll be selling quite a few over the next couple of days and i think the tickets come out tomorrow for the return leg which is next thursday because um, it's joined the Cheltenham Festival which is a real shame so I can't go but uh, it is um, it's a, it's a good tie, it's a difficult tie, it's the tie that we didn't really want, it's great for the away day what you don't want is to be going to France on the back of a defeat at home and kind of well, we'll see what happens and more than likely it's going to be a defeat I, I think it's going to be a very tough game Leicester need to be on the ball from minute one, they can't, what they don't Don't need at all. is an early goal in this game for the away side because they will be they'll be wary of Leicester, but they'll know that they can score. And I think if Leicester concede early, it's not going to be one of those games where the European side then starts to put their foot on the ball and to keep the ball, and it becomes uh, slightly more difficult that way. I think it's different here. I think if Rennes score early, they'll look and go right. Let's get this game sorted now. Let's go and get a second. They're on the rack. Um, I think that'll be their plan. Opposite to that is if Leicester score early, again, go and get that second. Because I don't like the away trip at all to Wren. I, I think that's got defeat written all over it. We need a, a lead going into the second leg. We're we're absolutely capable of beating anyone on our day. but And we're absolutely capable of scoring goals. But that defence is still there. And as much as those two wins in the Premier League you're playing against a different kettle of fish. It's not a Leeds United with a, an American manager in his first game or away at, at Turf Moor where, as I said before the game, if it doesn't quite click plan A for Burnley, they don't really have a plan B and you can then go and grab the game late and that's that's what happened. So, I Leicester need to play their first team. Madison, a big worry the fact that not only did he not play, but also that he was in the stands um, watching that game. That... Looks to me like a player who's not going to be in the starting lineup on Thursday. It's, it's not going to be the case. Whether he's on the bench or not, don't know. So the team more than likely will be the same. Whether they decide to go with maybe a Luckman from the start, I don't know. I'd imagine not. I'd imagine it will be literally exactly the same side. Whether Ricardo comes into the side, again, not sure. But I can just see it being a very, very similar side to the team that took to the King Power uh, against Leeds United. Now scoreline difficult um hmm i'm not entirely sure i'm gonna t- tell you what i'm gonna go for a draw which i know might sound a little bit pessimistic but that's what i'm gonna go for i'm gonna go for a high scoring draw i'm gonna go for a 2-2 i'm gonna go for a desmond um I, again i just it's that that defence. I can see Leicester going through overall, but I think we might be going through. Uh, do you know what? I can see this this whole tie go into added time. I can see this being a real kind of nail-biting two games. I'm going to think it's going to be a high-scoring draw here and I think it's going to be a high-scoring draw there. Um it's got to be Vardy with the goals, isn't it? Vardy up top. Hopefully Barnes continues that form, and we give them a bit of our medicine, and we say, "Look, this is what we're about. We've got a, a winger in in really, really top form. We've got a guy in midfield who is actually running the show in Yuri Tilleman's. And look at the wasp that's flying around him, um, the Shepherded Pele. It's uh, it's it's still there. It, it's a great game to be going to. I should have been going to it, but I've got." I've got work, actually. Something came up at work. So, it's um, so unfortunately, I can't be there. I'd love to be there. Again, if you can get there, go. Tickets available. It's going to be a really good game. And I think the, the lads might need the King Power as well. Do you know what I mean? I think they might need that crowd because if they do go behind, I think there's going to be, again, European night. Get down there. They're going to need the crowd behind them, giving them that different atmosphere that you have. In Europe, compared to the Premier League, that's completely behind them at every single point. Which I know crowds should be, but it's just not the case, it's, it's never going to be the case at all times. You're not going to be completely going bonkers all the time. So those atmospheres, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been to the King Power on a European night, especially the Champions League nights, it is different. It is different, and I think it's going to be like that, even though it probably hasn't been like that since those European nights. On the odd occasion in Europe, maybe, but not really. I think this game will be. I think it's going to be a cracking game. Plenty of goals. I hope we come out on top. But I just can't see them not scoring. I think they've just got too much firepower. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-2. But we'll address what happens in the second leg. Obviously after then Arsenal. Not quite the place you want to go to, Rob. After a European night. Sunday, they are in good form. It's a strange game. Because again, depending on what happens in the European in the Europa Conference League, that's going to be our target, then the Thursday after, so the midweek after, of course, Arsenal don't have that sort of thing, so, it's just a difficult game, against an Arsenal side, I can't see, I mean, this this is interesting, just about the players Rob, I, I said Vardy starting, do you think he'll start against, um, Wren, or, because he can't play against Wren, from the start, and then play against Arsenal, and then play against Wren, the week after, that's not going to happen, even if he plays only, an hour, but I, I, for one, I, I can't see him not starting against Wren and then Wren again. I think the game
1: he'll be on the bench for is Arsenal. I would go slightly different to that because I think the game against Wren is going to be slightly different to a Premier League game, especially different to a Premier League game against a team like Leeds or a team like Burnley. Uh, and I think the, the European competitions of where Patson and Daca has felt um, a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more at home. and I know he's scoring well. He's Isn't he Leicester's record goal scorer in European competitions now already? Which, you know, not a huge record to have to beat, was it? Because we'd never really played in Europe before. But it's it's the kind yeah, I of... I think I'm third on the list. You, yeah, you are. You are. Definitely. Um, because you scored a goal once in Czech Republic with a Leicester shirt on, isn't it? Something like that. That's right, yeah. <laughs> I remember. Um, so I think it's a game where Dakar could get a game because he's found it tricky in the Premier League, trying to step into Vardy's shoes. Admittedly, at a time when Leicester's form wasn't fantastic and they weren't really um, finding him or trying to find him, he's not quite the striker that's going to create something out of nothing in a way that Jamie Vardy can. There are a few strikers that can do that. That's why Vardy is right up there uh, amongst the best of them. Um, But in Europe, he seems to just have a little bit more time I don't think many European defenses are quite as um, rough and ready as, say, West Ham. Um, and the reason why Daka Dak wasn't particularly, uh, wasn't involved, Burnley and and, and Leeds, uh, or you know, it, or he didn't get that much joy out of those games. He um, didn't come on against Leeds, did he? It? it was Ian Acho instead of Daka. Uh, and I think that maybe points towards Daka starting against Wren in this leg, because. We know Vardy likes a game against Arsenal. Um, I think Vardy is a Premier League striker. I don't think... I know Vardy is a Premier League striker. I don't think Patson Daka is there yet. It's a a season of getting used to it for him. So if I'm Brendan Rodgers, I'm looking at it going, okay, we'll start Daka against Wren with a view to maybe giving Vardy another half an hour in his legs. Then we'll start Vardy against Arsenal and we'll see how he is after 70, 75 minutes, you know, because that will be then uh, four games that he'll have been involved in since injury. So there's every chance he could be building up towards that 90 minute mark. And really, you have to also manage that based on how the first leg against Wren went, because you are going to need Vardy to feature quite heavily in the second leg, I would imagine, because it's certainly, I didn't sort of say 2-1 Leicester lightly in my prediction for the first leg. I can quite easily see something like you suggested Pete happening there a two two or or even a, a sort of one goal reverse three two ren something like that. So you're gonna need Vardy for your second leg. I would I would not start him in the first leg on Thursday, despite saying I think we need consistency in the in the team. I think that consistency needs to come with other partnerships. Uh, and maybe it is Dakar's opportunity to start maybe even Ian Acho um to start up front but I would probably tread a, bit, a little bit softly with Vardy uh, and give him the game against Arsenal because Arsenal have um, despite having a not a great start to the season at all they've just been slowly pug- plugging away picking up the victories climbing the table now in the top four and yes they've got a lot of quality um, but I think the fact that they made life very difficult for themselves at the weekend against Watford shows that they are there to be got at. And if you want a striker to get at a team, is it Dakar or is it Vardy? For me, it's Vardy. So that's kind of what swung me towards Vardy starting against against Arsenal. I think they are there to be, to, to be got at. I would really, really be delighted if we could get a positive result against Wren. Even positive, meaning good performance and a draw. Uh, Obviously, even better if it's a win. Then you take even more confidence, even more momentum. And I think we've got an opportunity to to have a good go at Arsenal, considering the fact that even Watford managed to put two past them. All right, they didn't win, but I think um, it'll be be one of those games that'll be a real test of how far Leicester have come in this short period of time that we're kind of enjoying at the moment.
0: I agree with one or two bits. I mean normally we kind of say, oh yeah, I agree with that. yeah I I, I go a different way with, with the Vardy argument, though. I agree with what you said about him playing in the second leg. That would be my reason for Vardy starting against Wren on Thursday and then being on the bench against Arsenal and then playing in the second leg. Also, the Arsenal game, the problem with Vardy in the Arsenal, even though he's, his record against Arsenal is superb, but we're away at Arsenal in the form overall this season that we're in. I think it's going to be a more difficult game against a, a, an Arsenal team who are flying. I know Watford put a couple of goals past them, but they were, they were really good goals, weren't they? You know, they, it was. Um, so I think they're going to be having to sit in against Arsenal. So that's where I would then look at the two up top and say, right, we could play then Daka and Ian Asho as a two, which everyone's been waiting for. We play them as a two and then behind them have a sitting... Four and another four uh, in a bit more of a of a, a two blocks of four, and then those two to give them something to think about. Vardy on the bench, if you want to change things round or chase the game or whatever late on. But I, I just think looking at these three games in seven days, if 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 the if if the most important game is Wren, you need Vardy to start. If that's the case, I, I just can't see Leicester having Vardy on the bench if he's actually. OK to play an hour or even a half for that, or for a half I think you just have to play him against Ren. I think if we go in with Daka and then kind of maybe one or two others in the side that you're not too sure would be there as a 100% first team player it, it sends the wrong message as well I think I know we've played Daka in Europe and he's been eminently successful with that record of being Leicester's top scorer uh, with me at three it is I, I just think you have to start Vardy Wren walk out to the King Power and to the post horn gallop, and they see Jamie Vardy in the Leicester lineup. That that means an awful lot for me, and I think with the two wins in the Premier League behind them and in the bag, I think Rogers may be looking at the Arsenal game on Sunday, going, right, Jamie, I know you'd love to play, but look, you're going to be playing this week, and you're going to be playing next Thursday. And we'll see what happens against Arsenal beyond the bench. But we're going to go with Kalechi and Acho and Patson probably in a two. And I imagine he might. So hopefully that's the case. That's what that's what I would do anyway. Um, what would you do out there listening to this? If you if you uh, have an opinion, then do make sure you get in contact with us at FFS Pod on Twitter or via Facebook. Now Arsenal, difficult prediction because again it's all about this Ren game and then. We've said, haven't we, what what we think really. It's it's difficult to give a scoreline because um, so much is going to be put into this first game. It's not like you play Randers and then you've got the two games in the Premier League because you can preview them because Randers, you know, it's going to be a relatively easy tie. But we will have a podcast before the second leg, though, against Rennes. It's just depending on what the score is going to be, Rob, Before we uh, before we go to France.
1: Yeah, scoreline for Arsenal is going to be difficult. I'd I'd happily take a draw away at Arsenal. Oh, yeah. in form to just keep a bit of an unbeaten run going in the Premier League. You know, regardless of what happens at Rennes, and particularly the fact that it's sandwiched between two legs of a of a European tie against a, a very solid European side. I would be more than happy with the draw. And I think if we were predicting, I would I would go for for a draw. As the result, uh, with both teams to score, score draw. That's as that's as much as I'm going to commit. Okay, no, I'll go. I'll go for a draw then. I'm going to go actually different. I'm
0: going to go for a nil nil. I'm going to less just hang on basically to a nil nil because on occasion they've they've uh, struggled to score. I know they didn't against Watford. Most teams don't, but on occasion they've, they've struggled to break the deadlock, especially at home on occasion. So maybe less to hold it out for for a nil nil draw. Um, finally, something we haven't done for a while, Rob, and that's the for Fox Eight podcast. Fantasy Football League. Have you been keeping abreast of what's going on in the world of
1: uh, fantasy football? I have, but did you read the stories the other week about the a lot of um, FPL accounts getting hacked? No, mine must have been hacked then. Well, my so, so did something strange happen to your team and you didn't realise that it had been hacked? Because mine got hacked and oh my goodness me, this hacker, it left a little message as well. I can't remember his name, but it, it said so-and-so was here. Changed my team name to something rude that now just has change name. Um, put in some absolutely woeful players that are never going to play or are going to score you minus points every week because they're that bad. And I've basically been trying to sort the fallout from that for for weeks now. Whereby you know every time you use more than your one allocated free transfer, you're on negative. You're taking away four points already. You've got to try and balance that with, OK, if I change maybe three or four this week, yes, I take a hit of, what, 12 to 16 points, but, you know, is it's better for me in the long run. And I'm not saying I was anywhere near good in the first place, but it has just sort of... I've not lost motivation for it because I've tried to get my squad back to a respectable level. But, you know, I've, I've fallen down in leagues where I was hanging on to sort of players who actually take it quite seriously and I was feeling quite good about my team and now I've just slumped into mid-table mediocrity in every league that I'm in, and it's it's difficult because I've still got a couple of players in there that I really don't want in the team, but I just can't I can't find a way to to fix it. So that's that's the situation I'm in. I have fallen down the standings, uh, and I'm sure I'm not alone. Uh, I'm sure there'll be listeners out there who who had theirs hacked as well. Uh, and the FPL just said, yeah, we know that it was, I don't think it was an FPL data breach. I think it was another data breach of another company where somebody has access to a lot of your passwords and then they've managed to get into FPL and try and put your password in. So basically I've, you know, as, as we shouldn't do, but I've got the same password for a, a couple of different online accounts. So somebody's obviously got that from somewhere else, whacked it into FPL, hit the jackpot, Messed around with my team, uh, and now I'm a little bit miserable about it. Imagine that it's like you,
0: you got someone's password, and you're like, "I tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm going to mess with their fancy football team." Some people it's... take it so
1: seriously, though, it would have irritated a lot of people because it's. I mean, it's it's bothered me a bit, and I don't. You know, I like to try and be competitive in fantasy Premier League mainly because we talk about it on this podcast quite a lot. But ultimately, it's not had a massive impact on my life. But I know there's people that dedicate hours and hours and hours a week to to studying the form guides and reading all the forums and, you know, picking up all the tips and that. And I can imagine those people would have been so frustrated, especially the ones that might have money on it in a league or something like that. It is quite a... If you're going to hack something and you're not going to steal, you know, if you're not going to hack into people's bank accounts or whatever... It's quite a good one to irritate quite a number of people across the country. I can tell it's
0: definitely not got to you, that's the, that's the main thing. But, uh, Only a little bit. I tell you what, there might be one or two actually, because there is a, a 10 and enter team name name. Anyway, first of all, let's hear that Music. <laughs> Okay, so here is the top 10. Now in 10, down into 10th, it's Jeff Linton with enter team name on 1726. Down into ninth, Jack Wright, Daka Daka, hey, hey on 1,728 points. Up into eighth, Matt Hatson with Matip Inasse with um, 1,731 points. Um <laughs> Slightly different pronunciation on that, but you get what I mean. So up into seventh Bahim boys. Uh, Murahim Prakash at 1,732 points. Sixth place, Bruce Tolley, hanging by a thread, 1,738 points. Top five, Benjamin Brogan, Topo United AFC, 1,745. Same amount of points as in fourth with Haviz uh, Muzamil, with Karachi Breeze, 1,745. Top three, Jack R. with that Samare, a one thousand seven hundred and fifty-five. Top two, Ben Melbourne, Beanie VD Vardy, with one thousand seven hundred and eighty-seven. And miles clear at the top now is Adam Wise with Team Addy, one thousand eight hundred and sixty-two points. So clear at the top is Adam Wise. And if we go down to twentieth, we've got Daca Do 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 my team um i've had a couple of bad weeks actually 1634 points so i've got a bit of a gap between myself and 19th 18th etc yeah i i um this week for example i went for a free hit and at the last second i was talking to a chelsea fan um at work who who i picked out in the secret santa and i got him um a chelsea um enter rude word here mug they um, didn't say that. He said, "You know what I mean." Um, and what else did I get him? I got him a Leicester City FA Cup winners um, uh, wooden coaster, um, a replica copy of the program from Rem- Wembley. <laughs> you know, and all all sort of with obviously Leicester being Chelsea in the FA Cup. Anyway, I was talking to him. and He goes. Yeah, I think Reese James is going to start, and uh, I'd go for Havertz as captain because they've got two easy games. that are, And I'm like, yeah, but Havertz might only play one, and then probably Lukaku might play. In fact, they're playing Burnley, so they might play the big man up top. And uh, Reese James only come back from injury, so I think he's only going to play. One. Anyway, I didn't include Reese James, scores, gets an assist, and I picked Mount over Havertz as captain. Havertz bags two. So it was a bad week this week, uh, but still, top 20. At least I've not, uh, at the moment, been hacked. But uh, there we go. So that's the, uh, the the FPL, which we're going to do next year. And hopefully Rob can pick a, an individual password just for that.
1: I will have to. It's funny, you know, that, that conversation that you had about Chelsea. Yes, you had it with an actual person. I had it with my own brain when I was picking my team. And I almost picked Havertz instead of Mount uh, as, as a transfer in. I almost picked James instead of Rudiger. Didn't bother picking either of them, purely for those reasons. You know, I couldn't guarantee that Havertz was going to start both games. Uh, James coming back from injury, um, obviously a fully fit one. You'd definitely have him in your team. Um, But I thought for the double game week, Rudiger to keep clean sheets, maybe come up with a set-piece goal, um, Mount to play twice. He's got to get some assists and some goals there. And regretted it as soon as you saw James and Havertz. (laughs) tearing it up for Chelsea I did, did exactly the same as you and, yeah. that, and it's just it's frustrating when those decisions don't go your way isn't it
0: yeah in, in my in my league with my mates and now I'm top but I'm, I'm the gap which at one point was nearly 100 points it's now down to about 40 odd so uh, hmm we, uh, we we shall see but anyway there's still actually games to play in that uh, in that week Uh, in that game week and there's games to play for Leicester fingers crossed the right result goes our way on Thursday and on Sunday and I'm pretty sure we're back Rob before the return leg won't we
1: I would imagine so yeah
0: anyway any questions email for fox podcast at gmail.com Facebook you find us on there and I've already mentioned Twitter at FFSPod another good place A to follow us but B also, uh, if you want to let us know about anything at all, any questions you want answered on the pod, any questions about the pod, anything at all, get in contact. We'll be back next week, hopefully with a, a late Vardy winner after in the Red Bull once again at Arsenal on the back of a triumphant victory against Wren. And we'll be back next week. So we'll see you then. Fingers crossed for Thursday, eh?